production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about beer. Yes, we're going to talk about beer. We have uh, one guest in the studio with us, and we're, we're hoping for a second. Uh, our guest in the studio right now is Upland Brewery's head brewer, Caleb Staten. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 if you have um, questions from outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can also go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. There you can uh, send us an email and you can also join a chat and we can take some questions from the chat. So this Hi, is, Bob. Th- this is such a great topic. We're kicking off a long holiday weekend. I know. You know everybody who's got to go back to work for the afternoon is just going to be thinking beer, beer, beer. I know. And I, and I have to say, you know, right as we start, um, Caleb didn't bring us any beer. We didn't bring any of our own. We are doing this. We are doing this show. I think poor planning all around. Frankly. <laughs> I think we're doing this show on water, which is probably the wisest thing. You know, we wouldn't want, wouldn't want to drive our new equipment that we have here with anything Ooh, yeah, other than that's right. water. Yeah, yeah. Well, Caleb, thanks for being here. Um, I wanted to start out, I guess, by asking about you know some some terms. Uh, we we hope to have somebody from um, a local homebrew um, club in with us before the end of the day. Um, but you are sort of a craft brew, right? Or a, uh, yeah, that's, that you, that's kind of the, uh, the term term nowadays. So uh, kind of shifted from microbreweries to uh, craft brewers. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are those wh- terms interchangeable? Um, it's almost a uh, you know microbreweries are kind of a subset of uh, craft brewers. So it's a volume thing. So mm-hmm. you can uh, you have a brew pub which sells most of its beer on site. To a microbrewery that, or a, yeah, microbrewery that sells most of its beer offsite uh, to regional brewers, which is a uh, uh, fifteen thousand barrel a year uh, status. So, so what would Upland be? We're gonna we're gonna approach eight thousand barrels this okay. year. Okay. So we're we're a little over halfway there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is your goal to max out at the fifteen? Um, we we would like to be. Uh, 15 or greater on down the road. That's probably five years uh, Mm -hmm. in our plans. A regional brewery at that point. Uh Uh-huh. All right. You know, to sell that much beer, we're just all going to have to chip in. (laughs) Drink drink that beer. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the the whole idea of microbreweries, craft beers, I mean, it's really taken off in the last few years. How long have you been involved at Upland? Uh, I'm almost uh, six years at Upland. Six years at Upland. So what kind of changes have you seen in those six years? Uh, Drastic changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I started, we were at uh, 4,200 barrels a year. So we've almost doubled. Um, And then uh, we had new ownership come in about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And that uh, kind of drastically changed uh, the emphasis on really growing uh, Upland as a – uh, brewery. Now, so. did, did you have uh, six years ago when you came in? Did you have the bottling operation at that point? We had a different bottling line, okay. um, and uh, it wasn't even the original line. So, uh, I've heard nightmares about the first line <laughs> that got put in, and that it broke more bottles than it filled. Oh, and, my. Uh, oh my! Yes. So there was a lot of trial by fire in those early years, and uh, luckily I escaped most of those. <laughs> well, what I want to notice how what does the guy have to do to get the title head brewer? Is there um, brewing school that you go to, or is it simply an apprenticeship? What do you have to do? Uh, there's different avenues. Uh, you know, I've heard of uh, really great brewers that used to work in the kitchens at places, and uh, they had an opening one day, and they, they pull them over, and they end up being really great brewers. So uh, my path was a little different. I, I have a master brewer's degree from uh, UC Davis. Um, that's on top of my undergrad degree from Hanover College. So um, uh, Wait. You have yeah. a master <laughs> brewer's degree from UC Davis. Yeah, that's correct. Is that so? Are there many schools that have master brewer degrees? Uh, Davis is one. Uh, there, there's <laughs> that this, just seems odd to me. Yeah, I'm there, sorry. There's a Siebel Institute up in Chicago. Um, Lexington has the Alltech uh, program down there, and then there's some other ones. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, there's various ways to get some brewing education. What was, what was your undergraduate degree in? Uh, communication. Communication. <laughs> and then, uh, My so, Kim Minor is what I use more often. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Kim Minor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, I, and that, that uh, I guess, leads me to my next question. I mean, what kind of stuff did you study when you were working on your, your advanced degree? Uh, it's a very just intensive course. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of an accelerated master's. Uh-huh. Um, so it's five days a week, eight, eight hours a day, and mm-hmm. it's uh, – you know, malt, hops, yeast, and water, and all the uh, chemistry, biology, um, and some engineering's involved, of course. Um, so yeah, we're we're really gonna you know we're we're going to do whatever the opposite of making this topic sexy. We're going to talk about you know biology and chemistry and all that today. <laughs> No, maybe not. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeast is pretty sexy. Yeah. It? <laughs> it likes to reproduce at a very rapid rate. Right. So. Okay. All right. Okay, good. Uh, Caleb Staten is our guest here with us today. He's the uh, head brewer at Uplands, the Upland Brewery. If you have uh, questions about beer, uh, you can call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there for a chat or you can also go there to, to send us an email. Okay, I want to do Beer 101 mm-hmm. since you're the, the master. You just mentioned malt, hops, yeast. Let's yeah. talk about what and each water. Of, water. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about each of those and explain the role that they play when you make beer. Okay. Um, malt is kind of the uh, – uh, meat and potatoes of any beer. Uh, that's where you're going to derive the sugars that are later going to be consumed by the yeast. What is malt? Malt is uh, typically malted barley. Um, you can also use malted wheat, and there's some other adjunct grains, uh, corn, rice, rye. Um, so that's where your sorghum. grain comes in. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, beer classically is a grain-derived uh, uh, fermented beverage. So that's kind of even sakis are... Uh, uh, actually kind of in the beer family because they're, they're a grain-derived uh, fermented beverage. So um, they obviously taste more akin to wine, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as far as what they are, they're not a fruit-based uh, um, alcoholic beverage. So. Okay. And then the hops? Uh, hops are a, uh, a vine-growing plant. Um, Do they grow anywhere? Um, they kind of have a preferred climate, and this is uh, – in part due to some uh, pests and diseases and uh, mildews and things like that. So classically in the United States are heavily grown in uh, New York um, area uh, 75 years ago or so. And uh, they started getting uh, this downy mildew in mm. the roots mm-hmm. and to the point that they'd go in and burn the fields to try to get that stuff to go away. Um, but today most of the hops are grown in uh, – uh, Washington um, in the Yakima Valley, which is on the other side of the mountains from Seattle. So they they uh, do well in a dry, well-irrigated climate, and that's kind of what the Yakima Valley is, is this desert that has a lot of uh, reservoirs up in the mountains to, to really irrigate the fields all year. So um, they're a neat plant. We have some growing out in front of our, our building as well. They get kind of beat up by the really intense heat mm-hmm. uh, late in the summer. So we always start seeing them brown a little bit around uh, August, and it's time to pick them. Can so, you throw a few hops in, uh, your local, the ones that you're growing? Okay. We're, we have not grown more than three pounds in a season. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, they are uh, – uh, just aesthetic, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. but we we do some like little cask beers. We'll, we'll throw some of our homegrown hops in there. Fun show and tell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeast. Where do you derive your yeast, and and is it the same kind of yeast we use if we want to make bread at home? Uh, actually, uh, brewers yeast is a pretty specific family, so it's kind of selected over generations and generations by uh, uh, classic European brewers. So they kind of actually genetically you know, selected these yeasts over, over the years. So, so you're standing on the shoulders of hundreds of years of brewers that have come before you. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they kind of isolated those yeast strains that they were using, and uh, we actually call up a laboratory that uh, ships us our yeast to start uh, 
at our at our place. So. Wow! Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, this is this is great. I'm learning an awful lot about beer. I'm here. getting so, so thirsty. You, I just yeah, don't well, understand I, I mean, it. We, you know, we we Mary Catherine and I have both been to Upland, and and oh, I yeah. will say just to give them equal time, we've also been to. Lenny's. Yes, we brew, have. Brew pub at Lenny's. <laughs> you better uh, stop. Don't don't make the list too all right, long. All right. You know, we're just checking these things out. <laughs> I mean, out. it might be true, um, but you don't have to but, tell everything you know. But I, I know at Upland, one of the beers that you are particularly um, known for is the Upland wheat. Yes. So when you when you look at uh, you know this rest of these recipes, you know these four main ingredients. So how do you how do you make a wheat beer? Is that because you use wheat instead of barley and the malt? Is that it's actually a half uh, wheat malt, half barley malt beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the the barley malt is a pilsner malt, so mm-hmm. pretty light in color. Uh, the wheat malt adds its own kind of breadiness uh, that you won't normally find in beers. And wheat malt also throws off a lot of haze in beers. So uh, upland wheat is always very cloudy. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. So mm-hmm. that's a haze? Is that what you call it? Yeah. There's a lot of uh, proteins in uh, wheat malt, and they uh, they throw off a haze in the, mm-hmm. the final beer. So. And what's the tradition of putting an orange in a wheat beer? Um. <laughs> That's uh, – I think probably Blue Moon got that started. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the uh, traditional thing was. Maybe that is a Belgian wit beer thing to tack your little fruit in there. I, I and like, it keeps scurvy at bay. So it's, yeah. you, know, you got okay. that going for you. It's uh, extra vitamin C on top of all the uh, B12 you're getting from the uh, the yeasty beasties in there. So. Excellent. Yeah. We've got a question that's come in. Um, Michael wants to know um, what animal products are used in brewing beer and what are their purpose? Animal products. Um, all upland beers are vegan. Um, this wasn't always so. Um, some of the classic things that can be used are really just for clarification. Um, Isinglass is one uh, notorious uh, compound. It's derived from uh, fish bladders. Oh, great. Mm. And uh, it's classically used in uh, British cask ales. Um, it's negatively charged, attracts positively charged proteins. And settles out, so you have a nice clarified beer. Um, I don't know. There's uh, oh some other uh, cellulose derived things too mm-hmm. that, that that are really not used as highly anymore. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Isinglass can still be used by some traditional UK brewers. And actually, Elpen when I started, we were using that to uh, mm-hmm. clarify all our beers uh, that you wanted to see that nice see through pint. Mm-hmm. But uh, since then, we've gone to filtration and totally nix that uh, as part of our retinue. Mm-hmm. So, All right. well, you know, I've always been uh, curious about you know the you get a sampler someplace, and there's really a range of beers, and I have to admit that I I guess I've learned enough about it to know that I you what know, you like and don't yeah I like a pilsner versus a you know a, mm-hmm. a stout of some sort. Um, but could you talk about again about what goes into making like the darker beers? You know what makes them as dark as they are, and is and they're they're a lot heavier. They have, I would assume, a higher alcohol content. Uh, that's actually a misnomer. Um, really? Just because it's darker doesn't mean it's uh, any any higher in strength. Um, so, you know, Guinness that we sit down and drink at bars is actually uh, uh, has less alcohol content than a straight up Budweiser. So, yeah, um, yeah that's a. Uh, I think I think maybe that came along when the craft brewing movement kind of started going along, and people saw these bigger, heavier beers than the standard macro lagers they were used to. And uh, but that's always been kind of a misnomer. Um, you can make a dark beer that's very strong though, yeah. as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, color really for for a beer is really a malt derived thing. So uh, you have these specialty malts, um, such as chocolate malts or black malts or caramel malts, and they're all Roasted or uh, kilned under, uh, kilned while they're wet, and that really gives them uh, kind of the vibrant colors that uh, you can see in the more in the craft beers and than you do in uh, uh, most uh, see-through uh, macro lagers. So. That sounds pretty. Uh, I mean, the more we talk about uh, malts and hops, it seems um, like that must be an expensive part of the beer how much do you I mean, is that a, a big cost factor when you're manufacturing beer um yeah raw ingredients are a big part of uh, our expenses um we're probably one of the uh largest uh utilities users uh, in mm-hmm. bloomington as far as water goes mm-hmm. so we'd use about uh 
I think the last time I checked, it was about 600,000 gallons of water a year. So, wow. And that's to just produce uh, one-fifth of the content of beer. So yeah. they're very water-intensive process. Um, so yeah. I, I think I forgot your question. Oh, raw, raw materials cost. Um, yeah, it's a big part of it. Actually, bottles are one of our biggest expenses as well. So packaging materials. Mm-hmm. So for a production brewery like ours, uh, those are actually more expensive than our malt hops, uh, yeast and water is uh, – all the kegs, uh, bottles, cardboard, six packs, labels. Um, yeah. All the stuff it takes to market a beer. Who's your artist? Uh, we have various artists. Because uh-huh. I know, I mean, your labels are really interesting and they sort of have a, well, I don't know, various kinds of beer, I guess, have different kinds of labels and, and feels for what they are. But. Yeah, our main kind of graphic design guy is uh, Andrew Grodner, mm-hmm. uh, son of a local lawyer here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, He's down in Florida, and he actually does work through email kind of with us. And uh, he has a good friend who's a a cartoonist, animator. Mm -hmm. So she's done some of our labels, like our Helios Pale Ale, uh, Komodo Dragonfly, the Rad Red. Um, And then some of our higher shelf type items, we've uh, incorporated the works of uh, Norton Wisdom, uh, who's a Smithsonian featured at one point artist and – he does live art to music typically. It's uh, very, very fun to watch him work. We try to bring him here every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a couple of our labels feature his stuff. And it's very wild, chaotic type of art. It's mm-hmm. really fun. Yeah. All right. I want to remind you uh, that you're listening to Noon Edition, of course. On our Today we have uh, the first time we've had this topic, the topic of beer mm-hmm. on, our, uh, on our show. It's a Perfect weekend for it. We're going into the Labor Day weekend, and I dare say the students are back. So good time to be talking. Yep, about big ball game last night. Yep, Some of you might have had a couple beers. Maybe good time to be talking about beer. Uh, Caleb Staten is here. He's the head brewer at the Upland Brewery. Um, we've been talking with him about a lot of things involving Upland. If you have questions about about the uh, brewing process, about you know, any beer that you drink about home brewing, I'm sure that uh, Caleb could help answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Please give us a call at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. And I have to ask you about home brewing. Have you ever done any of that? Yeah, that's how I got started. I would have figured that. <laughs> so uh, what you know, what kinds of beers did you make at home? I mean, I, I have to say, let me I digress, but uh, my, my wife's nephew lived with us for a year when he was in graduate school. And he was, you know, we had this, he, we, he lived with us in the basement and he was making beer all the time. I mean, he was a, a home brewer and he made some, uh, some very good beers, but he made some of what I would call the most god-awful beers because he was trying all sorts of different things like, sure. you know, a vanilla beer and a you know, persimmon beer. I don't know, but a bunch of... <laughs> fruits and stuff. Uh, did, did you try all that stuff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably the first kid I got was uh, like an Irish red, something uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, and it ended up pretty good, enough that I kept with it. Um, you know, by the end of it, I was brewing uh, oh Kiwi IPAs and cherry stouts. And uh, uh, I tried to brew a beer with wormwood one time, which uh, turned out terrible. Um, <laughs> So there's some experimenting, but uh, I like to say of every five batches I did, one uh, I couldn't pass off to my friends. <laughs> I, I kind of uh, – I would drink my mistake and uh, figure uh-huh. out how to improve what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So. so, I mean, when you make something like that, I, I remember one of, the, one of them that he made was a watermelon beer. And, I mean, how do, what do you do? I mean, you just take watermelon and you add it in as an ingredient? Is that – Yeah, you pretty much make your uh, – your base uh, beer, and then you could add it at various times, whether it's during the boil or uh, later on in fermentation or mm-hmm. right before you bottle it. So there's there's times you can add in whatever hair-brained ingredient you want to throw in the beer. And, uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So it's it's that's the fun of it is it's uh, it's a homemade process, homemade uh, mm-hmm. product. So generally, you're pretty proud about whatever you made. So mm-hmm. is right. there a lot of equipment required? Uh, it's not not too expensive to really get started with a homebrew kit. I mean, you need a big pot to start, obviously, and uh, uh, some of the glass carboys they use as fermenters. So, um, and whether you want a bottle or a keg out of the gate uh, is really up to you. But you can probably get started for 
if you want to be conservative, probably less than $200. Um, Butler Winery is a good outlet for that, oh, as yeah. well as mm-hmm. uh, Worms Way uh, here in town. Yeah, we've had Jim Butler on here to talk about wine, but not about – he didn't really talk much about beer when he was on here before. Okay, we have a phone call. Our first phone call is from Jason who has a – I guess he has a question about accidental discoveries. Oh. Jason, you want to want to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to know what the best accidental discovery you guys had at that one was, like your best surprise – Hmm, good question. Wow. Um, <laughs> best accidental discovery. That's a good one. Um, you know, usually we, when we're starting with a, some type of recipe formulation, uh, it starts out as pretty similar to a homebrew. Um, so maybe the only ah, like accidents we would have would be just how we conduct our, our day-to-day operations. Uh, you know, I mean, most of what we start with uh, is already has a pretty good, straightforward plan about what we're going to do. And if we, in every beer for the first time, it's on draft at Upland and it doesn't leave uh, the house. So uh, if it's uh, not the best beer we've made, we go back the next time if we're going to do it again and improve it until the point where it's bottle worthy. So uh, typically, uh, our best test market is right there at the bar. But yeah, that's a. I imagine people sitting there will tell you whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jason, do you, Jason, do you make beer? Uh, I've dabbled. Uh-huh. We've uh, we've got a kid at the house. I've been looking at a Russian Imperial Stout, but I don't I don't know if it's kind of scaring me. So uh-huh. I don't know if we want to convert it or if we want to just go head on with it. Yeah. But brew it. <laughs> <laughs> Your master brewer says brew it. <laughs> well, there's the sun. I need to do it. It's a perfect weekend for it. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you. Hey, have you had any accidental discoveries? Uh, We actually got an imperial or an imported pilsner, and we let it go an extra two or three days. And whenever we pulled it and started to purify it, it actually came out tasting like a like a honey vid. It was weird. Like I don't, I don't don't know how we did it, but we we let it sit too long. I don't know if there was something in the carboy from a friend of mine brewing before, but it definitely didn't come out as an imported pilsner it was very bizarre mm, okay caleb any any thoughts about that yeah that's kind of the interesting thing of uh you know you have this good idea in mind and uh you use all the ingredients you put your recipe together and uh sometimes the final the final beer is not what you expected at all <laughs> um, no no it was a pleasing surprise and you're, you're kind of like what happened I, I mean i'm a big uh color guy so uh anytime we first first time we brew a beer i'm really looking at uh uh, the color of the base uh, before before we really get into it. Uh, if it's not right, I'm like, what in the world happened? Uh, we added the right amount of colored malts to to get it to be this nice, vibrant amber, and uh, for some reason, it's kind of brownish. You know, um, yeah. Sometimes well, stuff stuff like that'll happen. And uh, we, we started out with the uh, the buckets instead of a glass carboy, and so I couldn't really get a good look at it. I didn't want to open the top up and release anything, so I couldn't really get a good look at what was happening. But we finally switched over to glass carboys so we could see the magic happen. But, yeah, it was definitely a uh, pleasant surprise. Hey, as long as you end up with a nice drinkable beer, uh, you're doing things right. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Jason. Thanks a lot for the call. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. 855-0811-1877-285-9348. Uh, our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can uh, go there and join a chat, or you could also uh, send us an email. It's time for us to take our break today. We're talking about beer with Caleb Staten, Upland Brewery's head brewer. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. 
Listen at 8.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about uh, beer, mainly craft craft brewing, uh, home brewing, those kinds of things, um, with uh, Caleb Staten. Caleb is the Upland Brewery's head brewer. You can call us uh, at 855-0811, and our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there for a chat or to send us an email. I want to mention a few um, a, a few facts that might help also really talk about, you know, why this has become such a, a big topic. I mean, the growth of the craft brewing industry in the first half of 2010 was 9% by volume and 12% by retail dollars. Overall, U.S. beer sales were down an estimated 2.7 by volume. So you can see that the craft brewing industry is really taking a, a higher percentage of beer sales. Also, craft brewers currently provide an estimated 100,000 jobs in the United States, including the serving staffs in brew pubs. Um, and now there's just a whole lot of other facts that really show that how craft brewing is is continuing to, to grow. We have a phone call, so let's go to the phones right away. Chris is on the line. He wants to know about the, your thoughts on Sunday sales. Right, Chris? Yes, please. My thoughts on Sunday sales. Oh, as uh, as far as... Uh, the new law, I, I assume. Uh, the microbrewery law or the, uh, the vast topic in general? <laughs> well, the vast topic in general and the fact that, um, you know, beer can't be sold uh, for retail on Sundays, but but wine can be. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts or opinions or if Upland had any position on the, the issue. Well, th- this is the news that was effective uh, July 4th of this year. It was the first Sunday you could buy carryout beer at breweries. So the India, Indiana legislature passed that through uh, in addition to uh, ending the old uh, election day uh uh, law and uh, but you couldn't you couldn't serve alcohol or buy alcohol until six p.m. Yeah, on election and, day and now it's all day so that's they got rid of that uh, you know a lot of these a lot of these laws are uh, post prohibition uh, type, yeah. type things that uh, happened and uh, you know relatively outdated uh, in, Indiana is not the worst by any means but uh, um, you know as far as Upland is concerned. Um, we kind of keep out of the because uh, basically what's happening right now is the convenience stores and liquor stores are going head to head with grocery. So, um, you know, we got our little part out out of it. It's working for us. Um, we're good, uh, good ID checking type places um, and uh, good places to, I guess, maybe kind of trial out the Sunday. Uh, laws is probably the way it's going to get uh, proposed next uh, session. So uh, it'll keep it'll keep coming up. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to turn around. I mean, personally, myself, I would like to be able to buy, you know, beer carry out on Sundays. But uh, as an Upland representative, uh, there's no uh, um, I respect the liquor stores uh, not wanting to work the additional day of the week. And maintaining their cold beer sales and uh, maintaining their uh, excellent record of ID checking, as well as the grocery, which, uh, you know, we have to respect uh, the uh, those guys as well. So, I mean, both locations sell up on beer. Chris, did you know you could go to the <coughs> Upland and other brew pubs now and buy a growler or a six-pack and take it home? I did not know that. Yeah. Head in Sunday. Yes. Well, thank you for your answer. That was uh, very helpful. And good news, too, right? <laughs> yeah, See? At least yeah. I have some good news for you. Call more <laughs> often. You never know what we might know. <laughs> right. Hey, Chris, thanks a lot for the call. You're welcome. Okay, again, our phone number, 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Go there for a chat and also to you can send an email. About a year ago, I was out in um, Portland at a, a, my niece's wedding, and we were at this wonderful place, and it was a, a hotel and um, brewery and just this whole uh, – really a destination um, 
but the main focus of it was was really beer. Um, but they played music and all sorts of things. As I said, it was a destination um, spot. And I'm wondering if the the um, brew culture is kind of shifting along with uh, the wineries, kind of aligning uh, with that business model as far as being an actual destination point. Um, so adding um, attractions to your business aside from just good beer. Yeah, I think breweries are uh, great uh, tourist uh, locations, um, just just as much as the wineries. Um, so, I mean, Oliver obviously has their beautiful uh, location mm-hmm. out there outside of town. and uh, um, But, uh, you know, now with the Sunday sales going on as well, and we have a billboard outside of town that really promotes our tours on the weekends. Um, we work very closely with the Visitors Bureau, um, you know, because it's something to do in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Um, so between us and the Bloomington Brewing Company, it's uh, very neat to have a locally made beer. Um, and uh, for Bloomington, the size of the city, to have two uh, good functional breweries is uh, really an anomaly in Indiana. So. Mm-hmm. But it's it's turning around. But uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to see a city this size be able to support uh, two breweries. And uh, gosh, the amount of people we we get in, especially like last week when everybody was moving in, um, is just amazing how how much uh, you know business we were doing, as mm-hmm. well as uh, maybe exposing quite a few people to their first uh, craft beer too. That's cool. Do you, now, the location where you are down uh, now um, off 11th Street, right? Uh-huh. Um, a little bit landlocked. Uh, any thoughts of expanding beyond that, or are you guys pretty much at home there for a while? We we own the adjacent anchor there, so what used to be the uh, 11th Street Tavern is kind of our warehouse now mm-hmm. and all the way up the hill. Um, but, yeah, we are kind of, as far as property is concerned, kind of in a, a hole there. But we, we expect we can grow. Um, still on site. Um, we're actually kind of in the works to uh, do some building expansion, uh, uh, possibly before the end of the year. So, um, and that's that's just really to help. Uh, it's a kind of a simultaneous attack of helping grow our patio business and uh, the production space that we have. So, mm-hmm. um, and if you know. Uh, Bloomington Brewing Company as well has uh, started an off-site facility from there, so they're going to start really brewing a lot more beer. So uh, that, that's well, that's fun news too. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot a lot more beer news in Bloomington here. for yeah. sure. <laughs> that's right. Okay, our phone number is again eight five five zero eight one 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 eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Now I you know I made a mistake earlier talking about you know how I thought that. You know, dark beers had a heavier alcohol content. But I, I'm curious about just about the issue of alcohol content. You know, I see if I go into your place or Bloomington Brewing Company, both will have a list of the, the beers that you've brewed. And it will say, you know, when it was brewed and what the alcohol content of it is. And there, there's something else there. What else do you? Uh, we also have IBUs, which IBUs, is the uh-huh. bitterness of the beer. The, it's mm-hmm. international bittering units uh-huh. for the beers. And that's really the amount of hops you add uh, early in the boil mm-hmm. in various stages in the boil. But uh, mm-hmm. like our IPA is about 50 IBUs, very intense uh, kind of bitter beer mm-hmm. um, versus upland wheat, which is uh, about uh, 12 IBUs, so mm-hmm. a lot less. So how does that alcohol content um, develop? I mean, how do you how do you control how much alcohol is going to be in a beer? Um, you know, all beer is made uh, through the fermentation process. So um, basically you start with malt-derived sugars. Yeast gets a hold of them, converts them to alcohol and carbon dioxide, the two main byproducts of fermentation process. So hence, the more sugar you start with, the higher the alcohol uh, content will be. So basically, the more malt you use to start off a beer, uh, the higher the alcohol content will be. So, okay. And that's kind of the difference. Like upland wheat is uh, oh, about 1,500 pounds of malt. It's a uh, you know, 4.2% alcohol beer uh, versus our dragonfly, which is 6.5%. And it's about uh, uh, 2,500 pounds of malt, so mm-hmm. an, almost an extra 1,000 pounds of malt to get you an additional uh, 2% alcohol. Mm-hmm. So. So now is the um, number of calories in a 
pint of beer also um, directly proportional to the alcohol content or it is related um, there's actually uh there's like i believe it's seven calculations or uh, statistics for beer that if you have uh, four of them you can get the other three and they're all interrelated that's uh you know some of it's the gravity uh, the alcohol content calories the, those are all interrelated so it's much more of a science than i ever thought yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, but you know, when I was uh, a, a youngster in college, I went to college in Ohio, where they drink, where you could drink three two beer when you were eighteen, three point two percent alcohol, I assume, which is a low um, amount. But at that time, um, the thought was that all other beer was six percent alcohol. That doesn't really seem right now. When I think about the kind of beers that you guys sell and how they might be four point two percent or. Five percent or or whatever, and I, you, what what you just mentioned? Yeah, that was, and compare that to like I'd also like to know like compare it to if you know and you may not know since you're a, uh, a brewer, but to a con, uh, more like a conventional um, beer's uh, light product, like the alcohol content in uh, you know like a Bud Light or a Coors Light or something. I th- I think a Bud Light you're looking at like four and a half percent, maybe lower. Uh, Budweiser. The Budweiser is maybe five percent, mm-hmm. so they're they're still they're still relatively, you know, low. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and some of the beers we brew are kind of in line with that, and they they just have a little more flavor to them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but we we also do some monster beers that are you know uh, go above ten percent ABV, so you're almost getting into the you know wine strength range there. So yeah. don't want um, don't want to drink too many of those. No, we limit, uh, you know, two snifters of those if we're ever getting over like 8% uh, at Upland. So. Yeah, um, Mike, our engineer, asked the question, does Indiana have a legal limit as to what co- the alcohol content of, of beer can be? Uh, no, I don't I don't believe so. Okay, now, so you could, boy, now you other could states, go crazy. Other states do, uh, so that's a good thing that we, we don't. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I've heard of fortified wine. Is there such a thing as a fortified beer? Um. Yeah, you can uh, – gosh, you can – actually, one of the things that is illegal in the United States is to freeze distilled beer as kind of, uh, you know, uh, water freezes before alcohol. So, you know, your traditional icebox and uh, uh, there's actually a, a crazy Scottish brewery that has made, a, oh gosh, like a 55% alcohol beer by keep freezing and freezing and refreezing until you end up with uh, – Pretty much just pure alcohol. So, yeah. Um, does it even taste like beer? Uh, I I've heard that it it no almost tastes like a scotch or a whiskey. I mean, once mm-hmm. once that gets that high, it, it's pretty much just all ethanol, yeah. as far as I know. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> if if you want to talk to us about beer, just give us a call eight five five zero eight one 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 eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and our website is wfiu dot org slash noon edition. Um, what about the costs of brewing your own beer? Is it uh, you know is is it maybe cheaper to brew your own and have that available for you to drink than it would be to go out and you know pay seven bucks for a six pack? If if you consider yourself a hobbyist and you're not charging yourself for your labor, uh, <laughs> raw ingredients wise, you can make uh, a couple cases of beer in like a five gallon batch uh, for less than going out and buying. Uh, uh, Two cases of beer. Mm-hmm. So interesting, but you have setup costs, right? Because I was hearing you guys talk about well, I've, the the thing you were storing it in while it was. I don't know. There's some some bit of equipment, so there. You know, you've got some startup fees. There, there's time. Uh, you know, the brewing day itself is uh, generally going to be a you know, four to five hour day, and then um, you got two weeks of fermentation or so. And then you have your packaging day. So whether you're bottling your homebrew or uh, going to keg it up, um, you've got that side. And then, which is probably another four or five hours, depending on which one you're doing. Um, and then just waiting uh, for the bottle conditioning process to happen, which can be three weeks um, at home. Or if you keg, you can actually kind of force carbonate your beer and have it ready within a few days. So, but yeah, it's a... It's a process, uh, definitely, uh, you know, and and a lot of work, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a labor of love for, mm-hmm. for those guys. Sure. Okay. Well, we've got another call, and it's Andy on the phone. Andy, you have a question about hard ciders? Yeah. 
Um, just wondering if uh, Upland has any plans to uh, produce any type of hard ciders using apple as a base. And um, just uh, curious if uh, that's in their plans. Uh, that's kind of an interesting question. Uh, one of our owner group uh, uh, just had a trip over to Spain and really got a uh, – just loved the uh, uh, some of the ciders and uh, called veras, I believe, and things like that that you can find over there. But uh, uh, Upland is actually we we're under a brewer's permit, so uh, we would have to get a, a wine permit uh, to do so, ciders. So the cider is considered more of a wine. Yeah, it's under the the wine the wine permits. Okay. So, um, so I mean that would be an obstacle. We would have to. There's a lot of laws about. You can't share a location with a beer and wine permit. Um, okay. So uh, it's not really in our plans, but uh, there are some good Indiana-made ciders. Uh, I believe Oliver does a cider. Uh, Butler does. There's Gale's Hard Cider made by the Thomas Family Winery uh, yeah. down, down in Madison, Indiana. So there's some really good examples uh, made. But, uh, yeah, we're we're pretty much all beer. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Thank Andy. You. Our phone number is 855-0811, Our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. So this is obviously more than a job. It's a passion. I know that there are a lot of people uh, who share this passion. Bob mentioned over 100,000 people are employed mm-hmm. um, in this industry right now, what kind of how do you guys get together and talk about what you do? Are there conventions or um, some kind of guild or membership um, organization that you guys all belong to and share secrets or trends? Yeah, um, probably the national organization is the Brewers Association, um, which uh, both us and Bloomington Brewing Companies are members of. Um, that's a bigger. Uh, Bigger group that really watches. Uh, they do. They do watch state laws, but they also kind of watch any uh, federal rumblings about uh, 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 the beer beer industry. What could affect craft brewers? Um, so that's kind of our lobbying voice on a grander scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also do trades. There's a craft brewers conference every year that changes locations, um, and that's all seminars. Uh, you know, and the, as well as a trade show that's there, so you can see the the newest kegs out, and the, you know, the newest malt varieties out, and new hop varieties, and that'd just, be a cool ticket. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I have to ask you this question about. Uh, I think you've referred to macro breweries, is that uh-huh. right? as opposed to microbreweries? So the big the big dogs. I'm always, I, I guess, I'm always sort of. Um, Fascinated by the advertising campaigns I hear, you know, made with mountain mountain cold water or fire brewed or all these terms that you hear connected with, you know, the the Budweisers or the Millers or Stroh's was the fire brewed beer way back when. Mm-hmm. I mean, are these are these terms things that any consumer should really pay attention to? Do they make the, do they make any difference? Some of them are bizarre terms. Uh, <laughs> You know, the triple hops brewed terminology that just came out, I mean, pretty much everybody adds hops three times to, to beer, especially in the crappering industry. So it's almost kind of misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, they're marketing things. I mean, sure. they're, uh, they're, they're promotional sayings and, uh, you know, they're, they're really good at that, that arena. I mean, they spend uh, massive budgets to make sure, uh, you see the Clydesdales every Super Bowl and things like that. So, um, and there's you know there's there's nothing wrong with that in general. Um, mm-hmm. Other than you know the the craft brewers are brewing more diverse styles. So I mean at Upland we we brew twenty different styles of beer every year. So we're not we're not really focused into uh, you know Upland Upland Light Upland Super Light <laughs> and then. Uh, um, well, what about the seasonal beers from the big the big guys? I know that you know there's a, a beach bum that uh, is a, a seasonal beer from Budweiser, and, and all of them have something along those lines. Do you see that as a response to the the microbreweries or the? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one example is Blue Moon, which is uh, one of the uh, 
biggest growing brands of beer uh, in the country, but it's it's you know brewed by uh, Coors, um, and they've they've done very well at a kind of veiling the eyes of everyone to the fact that it's a, a larger brewery making it. But uh, it's also a good introductory beer to get into crafts. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're not going to ignore the trends that uh, you spoke of earlier that, uh, you know, we keep growing uh, 9% uh, or 7% or every year as a segment. And uh, so, of course, they're going to come out with uh, what some people call the faux crafts. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they'd, they'd be uh, – to ignore it would be pretty not not a good idea for them. We've had a few uh, questions on the the chat. One um, is about gluten free beers. Uh-huh. What what does that mean exactly? Um, there's a you know there's some protein intoler- intolerances that people have, and actually one of the main segments is uh, celiac disease, which. Uh, uh, when they first really started getting that, it may have been like two and a half percent of the population, and it's starting to look like it may be, maybe even five percent of the population has an intolerance to, uh, you know, uh, wheat. Uh, you know, you get into the gluten-free diet area mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, people are really affected by it. You know, they'll they'll drink like a wheat beer and they just feel really terrible uh, afterwards. So it's not like it. Uh, it's going to kill them or anything, but it's it's just uh, mm-hmm. they don't tolerate the uh, proteins as well. So mm-hmm. gluten-free is uh, – uh, right now the big ones are made uh, with sorghum, which is uh, kind of uh, – as that pro- it's gluten-free uh, grain. Um, it's actually a legume. Um, mm. And those kind of appeared in uh, Africa were, were kind of traditional beers there. And uh, so – some guys have started making it for that segment of the population, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it is a beer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I haven't had one that I really like, but it's, uh, it is what it is, and it's an alternative. Uh, ciders as well, I mean, um, for the gluten-free diet, that's, that's acceptable. And uh, mm-hmm. so okay. there's alternatives or, that are kind of in the same family mm-hmm. as beer and to try to find a, that substitute. Another chat question is uh, about home brewing mistakes. What are what are some common mistakes that a new home brewer might make? Oh, uh, sanitation. Sanitation. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh you you want yeast and only brewers yeast to be the only microorganism that uh, <laughs> is involved in your beer. So, um yeah, you can get into bacterial uh issues uh which, can you uh, make yourself sick? No, actually, as long as some alcohol has been created, beer is the uh, one of the safest beverages in the world because uh, that alcohol content—it's kind of an antiseptic uh, beverage. Mm-hmm. So, hence, it's kind of uh, history. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. I'm picturing it on ships and you know everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, they even say you know back when uh, more nomadic uh, you know people in the world. Uh, Beer was a way to transport water uh, cleanly from one mm-hmm. place to another because the alcohol content, instead of going and discovering a new water source that could have had any type of parasite or anything in it that uh, could easily wipe out a lot of people, uh, that was their way to move around with uh, some type of fermented beverage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Another question is how, how competitive are the microbrewers in the state? And I guess I would add to this question and say are, uh, it sounds like you know you have a lot of relationships probably with other microbrewers. Is, is there are there com- is there a com- competition among you, or are you kind of like a group that's competing with the macro breweries? Yeah, the latter is the way I like to look at it. Um, uh, less than one and a half percent of the beer sold in Indiana is craft beer, so there's a long way to go to kind of mm-hmm. turn it around. You go out to Washington, Oregon, it's almost thirty to forty percent of the beer sold is. Uh, um, uh, craft beer. So there's there's a lot of room for Indiana to grow and to really uh, help Indiana drinkers discover uh, craft beer. So um, any competitions we have are very friendly, and we're kind of all after the same goal, um, as far as I know. But it, I don't know. Some guys may take it more seriously than we do. So. Well, let's talk about distribution. So how do you distribute your beers? I know you sell them at the the restaurant and bar that you have on 11th Street. Where? What are your other distribution uh, uh, opportunities? Uh, we're in almost every county in Indiana. Um, uh, Marion and Monroe County being our biggest counties by mm-hmm. far. So, 
Do you have to align with somebody who's already doing distribution to get that done, or how does that work? Uh, it, it's set up. It's the three-tier system. So uh, you have to sign a distribution contract, uh, set out the territory that that uh, distribution company is going to go to, um, and then uh, get things started. Hopefully it works well. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like uh, speed dating sometimes. <laughs> you, sit, you sit down with these uh, distributors and they all say really great things and uh, finding out which one's really going to support your really kind of teeny tiny brand in their portfolio is, mm-hmm. uh, is a hit or miss thing. And uh, the ones that are really good at it are really good at it and they help uh, – help the brands grow because they know they see that 9% every year. They, they know that that can be a very effective part of their uh, portfolio. Mm-hmm. So. All right. We have time for maybe one or one, maybe two more questions. Um, how about people who have home, who make their own beer at home? Can they sell it? Uh, no. No. Okay. Yeah, not legally. All right. And then the last question I have is you mentioned that uh, Upland makes 20 different kinds of beer every year. Uh-huh. What's your – I mean how many do you make that's sort of your core – Beers. Yeah, Upland, Upland Wheat is our flagship beer. Mm-hmm. So that's 43% of what we what we brew. Okay. Um, I know you have IPA. Yeah, Dragonfly is our yeah. second biggest seller. Um, and then the other three year-round beers we do are mm-hmm. Bad Elmer's Porter, our Helios Pale Ale, and Rad Red Amber. I was say Rad Red, yeah. yeah. And then Preservation Pilsner is pretty much draft year-round now. Yeah. So, so basically five or six that you have year-round and then the other 14, 15 – you make it seasonally. Yeah, we've right. got a seasonal that comes out about every month now. And, All right. Uh, that just kind of changes up throughout the year. All right. Well, we're out of time. We've got to wrap this up. Oh, I am man. so thirsty. I know. Caleb, I want to thank you very much for being here. Caleb Staten has been here with us today. Upland, he's Upland Breweries head brewer. We've been talking about craft beers in Indiana. It's a, definitely a growing industry, so go out and support one tonight. Uh, I want to thank our – uh, guest Caleb, and I want to thank Mary Catherine for being here, of course, as always, and producer Dan Goldblatt and engineer Mike Pashkash Pashkash has been have been very helpful also today. You're listening to Noon Edition. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.